Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Scratchy look. <laughs> it's giving me like, uh, like, mankind like dude love vibes from like wwe <laughs> also if you like turn the right way it kind of like folds the l into the i and it's like i heart cubic education Welcome to the Touch Lines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast. An increasingly estranged younger sibling of the Touchline Media Group, as our national team continues to not lose to Hungary. I am your co-host, the Stump, aka Napoleon Greg. We will be without dear leader leader Asa, aka the Twig today as he is either eating, praying, or loving at this current moment. Uh, this episode, as always, is brought to you by the Smith, for- Smith Workforce Management Group, whom you can turn to for all your business law needs, as well as whoever Blue Wire has decided to put in for this specific episode. Uh, I've still been getting the Pickup Artist podcast ads, and all I can say to that is um, no. We're here with a plethora of soccer experts today to create some content about the USMNT-Uruguay match. First, we have Kev, who uh, I was told was going to be coming live from his car on the way to uh, something his wife made him do. But it turns out that is not true. So, Kev, how are you? Oh, you know, not not on my way to a jazz festival uh, in Cheeseman Park. So, yeah, you know, it would have been nice to to go there, but... um... You know, sometimes you just got to take care of things at home. But, uh, you know, that sounds like it would have been a pretty nice afternoon instead of having to hang out with us, but, you know, to each their own. Uh, <laughs> also here is the adult in the room because he's the only one who was alive in Reagan's first term. From com. Ben. Ben, how are you? 
I'm doing very well. It's weird hanging out with guys 10 years younger than you. You feel old suddenly. Hey, man, your hair tells us you are the youngest one here, so I don't know what you're complaining about, <laughs> which is a good segue into uh, obviously the most important USMNT news to drop this week is the fact that uh, Christian Pulisic claims he is going to grow out a mullet for the World Cup. So, um, you know, I know there was a match today, but really I think we just spent 20 minutes talking about this. I honestly Googled nicknames for um, mullets, and they're amazing. We've got the Kentucky Waterfall. We've got the Camaro Cut. Got a couple yep. of NSFW. Um, so, uh, honestly, the more mullets on the team, the better. Uh, I believe oh, I yeah. put forth the mullet, the mullet sick. <laughs> yes, I, mullet sick. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to go around and like claiming things that aren't like. Uh truly like classically american but like is does the mullet like really exist in like pop culture or subculture like elsewhere in the world or is it is it as american as i want as kenny powers makes me want to believe that it is i, I think it's like the in, david hasselhoff like german music scene Ooh, that's a good shout yeah 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 okay but yeah. I, I don't think they embrace the culture of it i don't think they like yeah like just like the germans don't like <laughs> Yeah, there's no like, there's no cult of the mullet. It's just that's some the way that some of their guys cut their hair. <laughs> kind of like how we took like hamburgers and like ruined an entire you know country's worth of uh, healthcare with with high blood pressure. You know, we're <laughs> gonna say like an entire like city's identity because Hamburg, Germany is just out there cursing us every day. <laughs> right. I, know, I know the mullet is legitimately like kind of in style right now, mm-hmm. but is it ironically yeah. in style or is it actually in style? I think it's like the mustache. It's like ironically in style. I don't know if it is. I think that the younger, I think the younger uh, generations and Ben, I'm talking younger than me, uh, <laughs> think that like, like they weren't, they don't have any consciousness of the eighties. So they're like, this is actually cool. If I were you and single, and it didn't matter. I would be rocking one right now. Gonna lie. Uh, yeah. I mean, we also asked, I believe it was Ben that put forth, uh, who is going to be, is Pulisic also going to be adding a dirt stash to his, uh, you know, mullet repertoire? And I have to say, I think that the, the best dirt stash is where, like, just the stash is darker and then you have all of the rest of the uh, fuzz as well. But it's like just the just the stash is dirty. <laughs> So, oh, there, like, so there, there's also a soccer game on today's mullet and mustache podcast. Was there, Kevin? Yeah, <laughs> there was. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do, I think the, how we usually do this, we're going to start out the back and then, then move forward. Um, so starting in goal today, were you guys surprised to see Sean Johnson there? Yes and no. They didn't announce it a day early. So I guess no, as far as that goes, but I honestly think this is, I need to stop saying honestly. And by the way, when I listen to these, I say the word like too much. So like, somebody <laughs> like, Somebody electroshock me. Um, you just but, have to wait till somebody yells at Twitter. Uh, like the third episode, some guy said that he doesn't want to listen to me because I say um too much. So uh, I've consciously broken that down. Now I also say like. All right, we're going to work on honestly and like. But like, honestly, um, <laughs> this seems like a the Johnson thing seems like a bad sign for Greg, for Greg Stefan. Again, 80s Red Wings goal. Like, um, for Zach Stefan, because he... Johnson seems like the closest replica of Stefan. Uh, he's, you know, a pretty good shot stopper who's known for being good with his feet. And if you're if you're auditioning Sean Johnson, that may say something about Stefan. 
Yeah. yeah. I, we kind of think that, like, so we think he's he might throw a little bit of a, a fit about this. I mean, I kind of thought that the Sean Johnson thing was like a lifetime achievement award uh, until he got a start. And then it's kind of like, oh, no, we might actually need to use him. Well, and on the previous broadcast, they did mention he's the only keeper in, like, the top four that's starting regularly. Everybody else is a backup. Horvath, Stefan, Turner, they're all going to either are or are going to be backups at that point. Yeah, I think we touched on that on the last episode about how, like, Greg said that uh, Sean Johnson was absolutely in the mix for starts in November because, as of right now, he is the only one started slated to start come the fall. The the only thing with that, though, is so – we can't exist in a world where Stefan has started for the last two years consistently to see what that would do to his form. But I've never had Turner show up in a game and do something just so like mind boggling, bizarre or scary at the back from like, Oh, if he was getting regular game time, um, this would solve it. Now, granted he's been playing with the revs getting okay. regular he, game he time. So, so this fall is like, we, we have a very short window to figure out if it's going to be a thing that like screws him up or not. Um, so we'll see, but I, I still don't know if he's former enough to drop a lot for me to be like, oh, Sean Johnson, Johnson, because he's getting consistent minutes, minutes has to be the, the answer now. I, agree with that. I mean, well, I think that's the way to do it. And I also think that Greg might, I mean, he might be saying like, get prepared for Sean Johnson, but really that's just to give himself an out. Because I, I, I mean, I know we make fun and we say like all the time, like, oh, he won't actually do that. But like, it would be kind of insane to just all of a sudden have Sean Johnson be your starter, we're what four months out of the World Cup, five months out, and well, like all and of a sudden he's just starting getting the minutes. International teams have been successful with with backup keepers as their starter before. Argentina made a final with uh, was it Bravo? I always mix up Bravo and Romero. One of them, is, one of them is the starter for Argentina, and one of them is a starter for Chile, and they're both backups for their club team. So it can be done. Like, it's not a you know and without precedent, but it's not well, like those, those were still the best goalies on their roster. Right. Yeah. It's not like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, so, you know, he also made, um, I thought he played all right. Obviously a uh, nil goal line is always a win and his save in the, what was it? The 60th, 61st minute or whatever, uh, where Uruguay got that like really clean look on goal and he, so if you if you watch the slow mo replay, it kind of looks like he kicks the ball away. But when you watch the slow mo relay, like uh, yeah, Uruguay hit it right into him. But hey, yeah, like he had, his I, leg was there, so he had as much of a read on the ball as I did when it came to making that save real time. I mean, whatever a, he 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 was there. Yeah, positioning is still goalkeeping, right? Yeah. Um, and I actually just saw a quick little like I'm, I'm scrolling Twitter as we're talking, and someone had posted a clip where apparently it was actually is Brendan Aronson who kept all of Uruguay onside. So no. when when you're when you're ten is the, your last defender. So the the US went back to a higher line. Everyone stepped forward, and Aronson's just like hanging out in the mouth of goalkeeping. So if Aronson isn't doing that, all of the like they all would have been off sides, and that would have felt probably better. But instead, it was a very strange uh, moment yeah. for him. Anyway. I would say that that's usually why you don't have your ten playing all the way back. Uh, because he just panics and then tries to get the ball somewhere. Oh, that, was a that, was a, that was a recycled corner, so that was just a scramble back there. Oh, uh, right. okay. But there, there was just, yeah, it was, there was some scramble to it. The uh, traditional Paul Carr uh, XG is out. We mm-hmm. got it at uh, 
uh, 1.6 for Uruguay and 1.13 for the U.S., which seems pretty, no, I don't know. I would have guessed it was equal until that, until that Cavani miss at the very end probably put him, probably put him ahead. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of XG, I guess we also forgot to mention at the top of the hour, we do know who our first uh, opponent will be for the World Cup, uh, November 21st. I saw noon, but I don't know what time zone that was in. Um, so that's to be determined. Luckily, we again, we have five months to figure that out. And Wales snuck it. Uh, and that was just, I mean, I agreed with Ace's take that we don't want to face the team of destiny in the World Cup. So, like, it's kind of nice that we don't have to be the guy. Like, Wales did that for us. But that's still super heartbreaking that, like, it yeah. wasn't even that great of a free kick. Nick, the whatever the defender's name is, and then like an old goal, and that's how you miss it. You feel this bad for rough. your, you feel bad for uh, Ukraine, but yeah, you want no piece of that. But you want him in somebody else's group having a nice run. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy with them making it to the quarterfinals without ever having to play USMNT. Well, and Ukraine looked across the field better than Wales. I mean, they were they were at Wales with all of the things surrounding them. Now, sometimes it like galvanizes a team and you play, you know, better than, than you typically would. But um, this isn't like an event that happened like a week ago. Like this has been like wildly disruptive to that oh, national yeah. team. This isn't a thing where it's like, Oh, we're going to pull together for the next two weeks. Like this is months going now. Yeah. Um, well, they said um, the, the defender, they got the own goal had asked for uh, whatever the version of it is in Europe, the leave he went to Poland to find his family when the right. invasion started. Like he left West Ham for two weeks to go find his family. And so and like, this is not a normal year for them. And this is not a team that's like, like athletes are very much creatures of habit and there's nothing normal about the Ukraine's, uh, you know, like prep for this. And despite all that, this. they, they looked like I, I'm, I feel much more comfortable facing Wales than Ukraine. I thought well, that Ukraine oh. across the field looked looked a lot better, and they were that was a, a tough result for them, considering the fact that they seemingly were coming at Wales and waves in the in a pouring rainstorm, like on the road. Um, I don't know. I don't know how how that'll play out in November, um, but I like our shots with Wales. Like I think yeah. we got a puncher's chance. Like I don't think that like you, there's a there's a talent gap to England, but. Well, I mean, get, I'll go okay, play so Wales. what I wanted to say was I forgot that I sent the XG to the group chat. Wales was at 0.68 and Ukraine was at 2.1. So, like, right. Ukraine definitely, yeah, definitely played it out. Hammered that. And then, I mean, you kind of have to like your shot against Wales because Wales is a country of what, like 16 people? And their best player is going to be their 33 year old striker who's been essentially a, a backup for five years now like he i don't remember the last time he's like consistently started well i'm feeling i mean i know i know they're friendlies but i'm feeling a lot better about the u.s after watching them beat morocco and essentially stalemate uruguay who i yeah i just wrote this somewhere that like if you saw uruguay in a semi nobody's surprised right yeah and this i mean this wasn't their a team by any stretch of the imagination but like Solid B team, right? It's not and like we're it's not like we're playing their U twenty threes or anything like that. No, they they made subs late, and I mean, other than the first ten minutes of that game, I mean, it's I'm sure we'll get to it, but it's 
it's the continuation of the XG King, just not finishing chances. <laughs> like <laughs> there, there were stretches within recent memory where the U.S. were were not creating chances in front of goal against nearly anybody, and it would take like it was like that Jamaica game where Des had to hit like a wonder shot from like 35 out. Otherwise like we were never goal dangerous. Well, we're actually creating chances, which is a huge step in the right direction. But against teams like Uruguay, you're not going to create the volume that you will against a team like Morocco. So like you've got to bury those and um, Ferreira continues to not do that. Right. Hey man, we're just, we're doing this step-by-step step. first. We had to learn how to get the ball on the net. Now we have to learn how to get the ball in the net. We right. couldn't. We can't skip. We can't skip steps. We, I hope we'll stay stay patient with Ferreira because it's the narrative is going to start building that he's the striker that doesn't score goals. But you have to go back and remember before he played, we were the team that didn't create chances and had to score off random goal kick or random set pieces and corners and stuff. So I don't know. You just got to have faith that if those moments keep coming. Some of them are going to go in. That's a good point because yeah. Josh Sargent was also a striker who didn't score I was goals. Say, we already but, have one of those. But he did not create goal-scoring chances nor participate in goal-scoring chances. He just didn't find the right spots. And, like, I don't know. I This was, like, a month, a couple months ago. I was digging into, like, okay, XG for top, top players in Europe. Like, who, how, how greatly can you outperform your XG metric? And even for a given season, and this will fluctuate, like the, the best, best players in Europe by like 20%. So you're talking about, okay, if over a course of a, I don't know, a 20 game window, you, you produce 10 XG, well, that's scoring 12 goals instead of 10. So great players, you should deviate back to that, like mean back to the average. And like, he needs to figure it out. Like he's, he's what I took from that piece of analysis was, it's not that Lewandowski is this amazing striker of the ball. It's that he's amazing. His movement is what's truly elite. And he's also good at, at, at striking a ball. And it's about getting in those positions consistently to score goals. And like Ferrer does that. It just sucks because it's like, we've got only a couple of game window of watching him just do this. And it's like, Oh my God, like dude, put one in the back of the net. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, that's the instinct part too. Like that header he had where he came flying in where, I mean, it, you can like look his head and he kind of like nicks it up. Whereas if he goes the opposite way, like that that's buried. And some of that just comes with, we've said it before. It just comes with like being there a bunch. And he does seem to have the movement and the follow Mm -hmm. to put himself in front of the goal. He just doesn't seem to have the instinct to know like what what direction the goal is up, down, left, right. Like both of his chances, like the, the one you were talking about, the header, it's behind him. So you got to tilt your head back. So like, how do you then get that? I don't know. I mean, strikers do it, but it's not easy. And then well, it was the, also a rocket. Like yeah. that was a lot harder than it should have been, but that kind of was like born out of the approach. And then the one-on-one he had was, you know, from a, from an angle, goalie's kind of supposed to save that. And also this is on him, but I don't, there was like a slight, like, mistouch or something when he did it it wasn't a perfectly clean touch and take himself in so i mean i don't want to make excuses but i'm making excuses i guess <laughs> there's uh 
he also he consistently tries to finish away with his right foot and low like that is his go-to like sh- like body shape he, he wants to like pull that ball low and away and he keeps trying it from angles where it's kind of covered um which is making it hard for the guy but i, I like how we we skipped straight to like to, to, to the point of the attack to like the thing to complain about where there's actually some like some other awesome. good and bad things to talk about with like it was the just it was just organic. Roster. Yeah, let's let's go back to the defense. So we started with uh, you know in the back we had Yedlin, Zimmerman, Long, and Scally. Um, Scally, I think, kind of struggled again. It wasn't that pretty rough this match. Like historically, I have not been a Yedlin guy, um, and then in the last I don't know six months, he's kind of been like, all right, Yedlin. And then this was just a reminder that this this felt like a couple players. So I don't know. Let's just call the current team like USMNT 3.0. Yedlin feels like a remainder of like 1.0 or 2.0. He's really fast. He's going to give you everything he's got, and he's just not at the level to play with Uruguay. You he killed possessions. He just he doesn't have ideas on the ball. It's just, it's a level above him. And then the other side of the field, Scally. And I feel like this is like a movie thing. You know, in a movie where there's like two boxers and one of them is clearly not as good as the other one and just keeps getting knocked down, but then keeps getting back up. I kind of feel like that was Scally, but it never got to the movie point where he wins the fight. (laughs) He just kept getting knocked down and getting back up. So I don't know. He, he, I, I still have hope for him to grow, but, uh, he got knocked down a few times today. The uh, the the Twitter outrage over him not being called in. <laughs> Burhalter's valuation of him looked validated. Now, granted, this is against Uruguay. Like he may, he, you may not run into these issues where it looks like he's not up to the level playing against other teams from Concacaf. But he stood out, in my opinion among the 11 or 10 field players as someone who just like, he wasn't just like sometimes tactically lost or like out of position. It was just, it, was, it, it felt like he was playing up like an age group and he like, wasn't quite there like physically. And that's not what I expected from him. Cause I thought that the first like impression out of his performances at Gladbach was that, Oh, he's the super plus athlete who's learning the game. And there were, there were, 50-50 balls that he was trying to run on. He wasn't getting to. He was getting bodied. Um, it wasn't a great showing for him, unfortunately. Hey, I just no. saw something that reminded me of another of something else. Let me throw something at you guys and let me get your thoughts. So, you know, in basketball in the last, I don't know, five, ten years, the mid-range jumper is kind of – that's the shot you want to allow. Uh, so, you don't want to give up threes. You don't want to give up things at the, at the basket. So, if you're going to give up something – like mid-range jumpers are kind of the shot. All right. So I'm thinking that the U S you know, like when the opposing team can hit a big switch and all of a sudden there's space on the other side, like if you can get through the press and get a second against the U S and switch it, there's space over there. I'm, I'm going to call that the mid-range jumper. Like you don't want to leave it wide open, but if you leave something open, that's what you're going to leave. So Again, you have a guy in space, but from that point, he's not in on goal. If you're going to score from there, he's going to have to hit a really good cross. Mm-hmm, yeah. And the center backs we've chosen are, you know, Zimmerman Long, Zimmerman Robinson are, you know, pretty good in the air. So I'm thinking that might be a strategic thing, that if you're going to give up something, giving that up isn't the worst thing in the world. 
How, what do we think about this? I'm just workshopping it. I've just like it just occurred to me. I, I agree with it for this reason. It's something that we gave up a lot against Morocco. And I think it's part of the system because I think that when those big switches hit, what's normally happening is, against, is it's happened against Mexico. It's happening right. against teams too in the past. We when we step to press, we pull the opposite side fullback almost to oh, it's almost like a weird thing. Like, remember when like Tyler Adams was doing that weird, like slide in, like we'd go to like a three, 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 one. Scally would come or Yedlin or whoever would comes in and almost covers where like Adams would be sitting. Not maybe not that far in field, but he certainly like pinches in to kind of like occupy that space. If there's like a little like blooped ball centrally, which intentionally opens up that huge wealth of space opposite, but that's still okay. It's a switch. It feels great. And when you watch it on TV, these big switches, they, they feel very like dramatic. Cause it's like, Oh, they got out of our press. They switch, switch the field of play. Well, we still have three defenders back and it's still going to take, yes, yeah, someone falling down in space or like another sequence of passing to allow someone in on goal. Whereas it, I mean, I referenced the last podcast with that Switzerland game that would happen. And it seemed like no, like the switch would happen. And it was just like, completely shambles so we're a little bit better at like emergency defending maybe that's all that it is but it's a it feels like it's a feature not a bug because i think burhalter is is putting more value on us potentially winning the ball higher up the pitch just betting on the fact that we can win it with the press and if they hit an awesome switch they do it we look like we commit a lot of numbers to try to press and pin them against the sideline. Mm-hmm. But I one of the, I remember Hakimi had a moment in, in that last game where he beat like two guys along the sideline and got it through, and then all of a sudden that guy could hit that switch. So I think we're willing to gamble on you know creating a turnover there versus if okay if you make a good play now you've got some space and maybe you get a cross in. And so, you know what? No, go ahead, Greg. No, go ahead. So so many people had wanted. Berhalter to be a bit more of a pressing team because of the player pool and like the profile of the, the types of athletes that we have. This is the difference between being a, a, a press and uh, like a press and go team versus being a bunker and counter team is you, you have, you can't press by not committing players up the field. Cause then what happens if you commit, if you have one guy who doesn't like step to their man, then you have, easy passes to connect without someone marking them. And then you're completely screwed because now you have a guy collecting the ball in midfield, running at, at space. So like you have, like, I don't know, it's like double teaming in basketball. Like you're going to leave a man open. And if you can, and if you can throw the, the pass over the top and the guy can catch, collect and hit a three on your head. Well, that's, that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that's something that you're willing to live with. Right. It's kind of like the little with, and, and I don't know, uh, Ben, I think that's a good, Point. I do appreciate it. You waited until Asa wasn't here to talk basketball uh, because <laughs> he ne- he always refuses to. And I think that that actually is kind of interesting. I mean, maybe I'm just reading into it, but the last couple of times that Greg's had like pre-match um, press conferences, he talked to, he's talked a lot about the wings and the strengths of wings uh, in Morocco and Uruguay. And maybe he was just suddenly trying to say like, yeah, we've, we've put a focus on this. Uh, all right, so the, the defensive substitutions, I believe, EPB, hometown boy, they say he's from Kansas, and uh, mm-hmm. Jedi came on. I don't really have much for either one of those two. 
Eric got some time in front of the hometown fans. Uh, Jedi just got some cardio, basically. Yeah. I think he he got turned on one transition moment. Palmer Brown did. Um, he chased him down though. That was in like the 50, 56, 60th minute somewhere. I'm, think, I'm thinking of something later. It, oh. it was like almost into the box. The someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, said the 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 biggest winner out of the last three games between like Long, Carter Vickers, and Palmer Brown is Chris Richards. Yeah. Um, Zimmerman if he can continue to play balls over the top, like he does like that, he's maybe not at John Brooks level, but like, that's a, that's a nice development for him being a bit more of a a ball playing center back, but none of those guys felt like they were true compliments. They didn't feel like, um, like equals out there. Like it felt like Zimmerman like defended better. He offered more going forward. And the other guy was just like, all right, who's going to be like the, the least, um, impactful to the downside that we can just try to like get through this game with. Yep. I think we still have one center back right now and we're praying Chris Richards is healthy and as good as we think he is. And then we're also <laughs> praying that somebody get locks, uh, locks Berhalter and Brooks in a room and makes them, makes them hug it out or something. I'll mediate that discussion. There you go. It's the uh, straight jacket, but it's just made of a hug with both of them. So you lock them in straight jacket hug with each other. On straight talent, I think the center back room is got to be Zimmerman, Brooks, uh, Richards, and then pick your favorite of those other guys. But I'm the way things are looking right now, you might only get Zimmerman out of that bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. So we've made it to the midfield, which means that this is the midpoint of the podcast, which means that this is time for a sponsor. So that was a more forced uh, – interlog than even Asa does usually, but now we're on to the midfield. So we got our uh, MMA starting midfield, uh, Adams, Musa, and McKinney. Um, McKinney, I think, is still kind of working his way back into it, maybe? Or are they just not risking him because he keeps, like, he keeps getting subbed in or out? Like with well, the- just, just because he was out injured so long that it's kind of working him back to fitness. That's kind of what I figured, too. I thought Musa played really well. Yeah, I mean, he does this. Well, I feel like this game was a little bit better than last game, but he does the same thing. He has all this energy. He's so fast. He dribbles to the top of the box, and then Darlington me heat map. Uh, you, you saw the hurt Gomez tweet as well. I did. Yes, <laughs> I thought that he that Musso had more final. Pro- there were a couple of like paused passes that he made, or where he would take an additional touch to get a better angle to play Waya in wide. Um, I, he, he just, he, <laughs> there's, it's not a small sample size anymore where it feels like he can like collect the ball and like one-on-one, just like dust people centrally. Like those first two games he did that. I'm like, Oh, like who knows? It could be like a fluke or he was, you know, people didn't know to like prep for it, but like, it has to be a real skill set now because mm-hmm. he does this like every single game where he is just an amazing, like progressor with the ball at his feet. Um, the good thing is he probably has another decade before he, he starts to wind down professionally. And then he still would probably have another couple of years to play after that to find that like final ball. Um, and he he maybe doesn't even like, it'd be nice if he did, but even just being able to dig a ball out deep and like get it, spraying it wide with way of running in beyond their 18, um, is a great 
piece of transition. Well, I mean, and I'd this, like to, I'd like to uh, applaud Kevin's patience because he's willing to wait a decade for Musa to be able to find that last well, third. But that was more just a nod of the fact that he's got, you know, he's still very young, and even if he finds this, he could be twenty-two years old, and that's a couple of years from now before he like really like rounds into the player that he is. So this, this is jumping ahead, jumping ahead a little bit. But the difference between Musa uh, spraying it wide to Wea and then to Ariola, wow. I mean, Ooh, I boy. love you, Paul, but dude, like, he that's, also, not, that's not fair. He also didn't look athletically up to it. Um, so Ariola can sometimes just will his way through a lot of CONCACAF opponents because he is a faster, stronger, professionally trained athlete. He wasn't he's out, a CONCACAF. He's a CONCACAF player. He he wasn't out athleting anyone on Uruguay, um, so then he very quickly becomes limited. Yeah, I mean, he's another USMNT 2.0 player. He, he's fine to have off the bench to kill a game, but the 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 drop off from Wea to him was very very noticeable when he came in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think Musa did well through the middle. I think McKenney's finding fitness. He wasn't quite as like dominant as he can be. Where like winning in fifty fifties and just making like simple like back passes to recycle and go. Um, it's interesting how much more I've noticed Adams in wider positions with Musa dropping centrally more and more in the last like two games. I, I think that that has to be intentional, and it's one of those things where it gives Musa the chance to like break someone on the dribble and then you create like a numerical advantage going forward because Adams isn't great at eliminating defenders he's great at like putting out fires but it's almost like okay we've got the ball back like Adams just like occupy space <laughs> wide Musa go get the ball and see if you can like make something happen the uh the scuffed guys have started calling it the trivet <laughs> the, the triple pivot because yeah. all three midfielders are kind of lined up there um you know, in the buildup at least. So I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. We've looked more than competent the last two games against teams that are quality. So yeah, it, it plays for sure. Uh, so we already, I mean, we, you guys kind of talked about him, so I don't know if you want to go into it further, but uh, Paul Ariola did come in and Luca Del Torre came in, um, you know, really not that much to say. Beyond what I think Kevin was you that just said it, like you can kind of tell that Ariola can't really lean on his athleticism and his strength as much as you know you think he'd probably want to. A little um, bigger, a little bigger picture thing. The uh the US subs compared to the Uruguay subs are, are just hilarious because <laughs> you look you look at who the US brought in, and of the six guys, like the only one you're happy to see, probably well, two. I guess you're happy to see Jedi. And you're happy to see Aaron and be like, okay, maybe yeah. let's see what he can do. The other guys are just like, come on, don't screw up. Don't screw up. Meanwhile, like, you know, Uruguay is subbing in Edison Cavani and you're like, oh no. Bentecourt, yeah. 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 I mean, it was nice to see Haji get another run, but it, <laughs> there's Kevin, a stop re- jumping ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, excuse me on that. Well, I thought you were talking about subs. Um, hey, no, go for it. I was just kidding. Uh, I, I mean, De La Torre, I, I'm super curious with what this roster is going to do. So on the topic of subs and like, so Pulisic has played not 180, but he's probably played like what, 160 minutes. Cause he got subbed off against Morocco. Correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> We've ran a couple of guys deep. Like 
there's no chance Pulisic sees the field against Granada. And I'm, I wonder if they're even going to put him on the plane to El Salvador. And like, I, I feel like you kind of almost have to keep them like with the group just because it's a group. You can't say, oh, well, Christian special and Weston special and Tyler special. Like you guys go like on vacation. We're going to go down to El Salvador and like try to grind out like a result kind of thing. Um, but they're like, there's a second tier of player that's been in camp that's going to get a, a lot of run against Granada and probably away at El Salvador. I'm hoping Granada is just a B, B team special. Like just all those guys take it. And then that gives the, the A team guys an extra week off. And then maybe you can give the A team one more run out in a way, you know, in a way hostile environment, competitive match. And then they're done for the summer. You know, yeah. those guys are go on vacation, go to back to your club teams, make sure you're starting. I guess that's a good point. It, and it is like a world cup prep period. Like if you could be fit, which with a week off, you should be, I guess. Yeah. You're playing on the road at El Salvador, like suck it up. Yeah. It's um, not the worst test. Oh, right. They, I mean, we, we had enough problems, you know, <laughs> the last okay. 24 months with El Salvador, especially on the road. But yeah, yeah I think we're not as going to be, yeah. You're going to see a lot of like, Roldan, Jordan Morris, you're going to Kellen Acosta. If he's fit, you'll probably see him start at the six. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be nice to see those guys, but they might even roll out the, uh, the, you know, the three, four, three, three, four, two, one, that match and test it out. Yeah. But like, uh, if you want to for fun, but I don't think that playing your, like your, your BC squad against, Renata is like a learning moment. Like, oh, does this formation work? Well, like, who the hell knows? Like, nice. you can go out there and play like a a one one eight and probably score like six goals against Granada. Oh, like, I, it's just I, I just mentioned it because Burhalter said he wants to try it out sometime, and I don't, I don't, I don't even. I, I like the idea, but we're so thin at center back right now. That's my issue. Is like you're taking other players off the field to get more of yes what. And it also puts Dest, who I I think that he he struggled. Obviously, he's not in camp. He's a little bit hurt. He struggled in the on the road in Concacaf, but I think that like against like cream of the crop European talent in like a big stage type setting where you're gonna have all the trappings of like this is a big game. He's he he's up for it, and he there was a long stretch where Serginho Dest was our only attack, and. Yeah. Playing three at the back, he's always looked poor as a wing back. I feel like he's just more natural as a fullback, at least when he's played for the U.S. Well, I mean, he grew up in the Netherlands, like the home of the four-three-three. I think it's right. like required in their required in their close in their uh, like clubs. It's actually back. it's actually in their uh, education curriculum. Like you have to learn that. It's <laughs> yeah, after right. it's after calculus. That was like Johan Cruyff's baby. Yeah. So there's just. There beyond the center backed up, there's just other like fits with the team that I feel like don't put best players in in best positions. Like you're attacking threes, you're attacking three share, but now you're trying to fit two midfielders and instead of three, where it's kind of a log jam position of strength. Anyways, Granada's gonna get weirdos out there. I mean, for the, if he really 11. wanted, to, if he really wanted to troll the entire fan base, Greg should bring John Brooks to that game. <laughs> Well, and if if your three center backs are Brooks, Zimmerman, and Robinson, and then Chris Richards as your sub, okay, maybe I can get on board with putting three right. of those four out there. But if your if your three are Zimmerman, Long, and 
you know, a, a three-letter acronym, a three-letter, you know, whatever. I don't know about that one. Yeah, that's yeah. maybe not the best. Uh, okay, so we are to the forwards. Uh, we've covered quite a bit of Jesus. Um, what about we had Pulisic on one wing and Tim Weah on the other? Weah, I liked. All right, so I need to say before I say any of this, I should have caveated this at the beginning. I missed Amazing. the first five minutes of the game because I was at a cookout and you know may have had a couple drinks. And um, then we got home and my children were jumping rope in front of the TV for a large portion of the game. So my opinions should be taken with a shot. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, fair. if you insist, okay. <laughs> um, Wea, I liked, I thought he was good. Got a couple of shots. Did his like, you know, dangerous thing. Pulisic, I don't, I don't think he was bad, but I don't think he was super influential. We've uh, we've talked about um, Ferreira extensively, and then by the time Wright got in, I feel like that game was just there was nothing to be learned anymore. Yeah, the game really fell apart yeah. late. Yeah, way I continues to just <laughs> of all of our players that sometimes or often seem to play like a touch below their club form, like Wea, No matter what's going on with him at Leo, like he just shows up and he's super consistent. Um, it's Which bizarre to me that he's sub- not getting more time. Well, it's kind yeah. of insane, right? Because like for a while, he was one of the ones who was considered an inconsistent national team player, and then he just kind of found how he fit in, and he's like he's indispensable at this point, right? Well, and there yeah. seems like there there has to be. So I grew up watching a ton of the Red Wings, and we I think we've had this before, but there were always guys that would score in the playoffs. They would score more goals in 20 playoff games they would, than they would score in 80 regular season games. So to extend that thinking, there have to be guys that play better for their national team than mm-hmm. for their club team. And for right now, Wea is, is that guy. And I don't know. He just, like, doesn't matter whether he's playing for Lille or whoever. When he shows up for the U.S., he plays well. And I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know how you take him off the field. Yeah. But, Unabashed like, nationalism. I mean, how do you, you have to figure out a way to get Pulisic, Reyna, and Wea on the field? I don't know how they do that, but you got to figure it out. Wait, Pulisic, Pulisic Reyna, and Wea. Yeah. So you're gonna just slot one to the nine. I don't know if I, I don't know if the, I like that. That that's where this is heading, and like you keep hearing whispers of it, where it's just like you just do like a fluid trident attack, and like you don't have a nine, you just have three attackers, and like whoever floats centrally floats centrally. The issue is you can, you're either going to look like a genius and all of a sudden you're going to unlock the attacking power of this, like of all these individual talents. And we're going to look like, you know, 2009 Spain, more likely you're going to have a whole bunch of people standing at the edge of the 18. None of one's making a run and it just turns into like an absolute log jam of people trying to combine. I, I mean, if I don't think you can do it at this point, like, Someone, one of those guys is going to have to be on the bench because I don't know how you can go two years in a cycle and then just a month before the World Cup be like, got to try this. Right. The only way this works is if one of those guys ends up playing striker for their club in August, which I don't think is likely. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I don't even know which one might. I mean, Wea has played striker, but he seems to have settled in on the right wing, right mid pretty well yeah. for Leo. So he looks so good on the right. So the other thing, though, you want to get somehow 
ideally your best 11 is also your 11 most talented or like highest ceiling players, but it doesn't always happen like that. The other thing though, is you you do play three games and how many, how many, like you normally rotate in a pool, like the, the right way to win your group is you, you collect six points in a fat goal differential and you rotate your squad for the third game. So they're fresh for knockouts. Like, we're going to need more than 11 guys to make it out of the group. So maybe you just, yeah, you can't put Polisic, Rhea, Polisic, Wea, and Reina on the field at once, and maybe that's okay. So the, the World Cup games are every four days. So you've got 21st, 25th, 29th. I mean, and likely this is all going to not matter because – Someone will be hurt. Is going to get hurt. One of going to be hurt. Yeah. yeah. Her. yeah. <laughs> We're going to have one of them at the World Cup. Right. It's going to be Paul Ariel out there starting three games. Great. Yeah. Oh. No, I was going to. I was going to say you guys are like need to be knocked down wood because having this conversation of how do we fit all three of these guys on the field just means yeah. that we're not going to have any of the three of them mm-hmm. available. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing that makes sense if you get uh, Reina, if you drop Musa for Reina, but well, so. And Reyna should be – I mean, I think Reyna will be the most interesting because we already know that Tuchel has no idea what to do with Christian and Weya seems to have settled himself into the right wing position. But, like, Reyna should – with – Holland is gone. And I haven't been following uh, Dortmund's, you know, transfers in and out that closely, but I don't think they have anybody, like, waiting in the wing that's, like, supposed to be the next great striker. So Reyna might get some run at striker. Stuff has came out of Dortmund's front office, though, that he's like the heir apparent to Royce. He's supposed to be their 10. Okay. He's supposed to sit underneath. They'll they'll find somebody. I don't know who. I mean, they always do. I don't think that any of them are going to be a striker. I think that it's just going to be a thing where maybe we have attacking depth. So the other interesting thing is Dortmund fired coach, uh, Marco Rosa, and hired a guy who was just like an – I think he was their interim for a little while. Um, so he's coached, he's coached, uh, you know, um, Reina before. So what did I, if I'm going to talk like this, I should know what I'm talking about, but what did he do with Reina when he had him two years ago or a year and a half, whenever he coached? Yeah. I mean, he played wide more frequently when he was younger and then it's been tough to tell what they really want to do with him because of injuries, but they keep trying to pull him more and more centrally for his club. Which He's is also maturing too. So it's like, I mean, I, I know it's the easiest thing to compare him to is his own previous self under this coach, but like, he's not the physical player he was at 16. Now, like he right. has the ability to be more inside. So it, it, it's not, it's an easy comparison to jump to zoo, but it's not necessarily the one that you should jump to. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like where he, where he fits in. Um, seeing Aaron, Aronson centrally, I d- I don't know if if Reina has like the the true discipline to to like track back centrally. Like Aronson gives you more, a lot more defending and a lot more pressing than Reina would, and that might be necessary against better teams. Whereas Reina at the eight is more of like a champagne choice, where it's like, oh, well, we're just gonna beat the brakes off of this team anyways, and they're gonna be bunkering regardless. So like, let's get an additional like true like attacking final pass kind of guy so, and I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to thank you too for that nice segue from uh, the starting forwards to the subs because <laughs> Aronson did come in so like this is great you're, you're learning on the job 
I'm doing some on the fly research here. I've uh, perfect found, professional podcast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I found a uh, Terzic. I'm going to say go with Terzic. I found Terzic's. Uh, he coached 23 games with uh, Dortmund in 2021 when he took over for whoever got fired, and it looks like he settled into a 4-2-3-1 um, with Reina at the left attacking point of the three. So it looks like Reina generally played there at least the last five six games of the season which is so. redundant of uh Pulisic yeah so my guess is based on history he's going to be playing the exact same position that Pulisic plays for uh Pulisic plays for uh Chelsea cool that's great <laughs> uh all right well so we we also went over Brandon Aronson um you know he's still he's still a high motor guy he's going to give you all he's got and if nothing else, I think he's going to be a great – I mean, I think he's going to be a great guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, like, nope. at the point he came in in the game, whatever. Like, it was just a wreck. Speaking of that, Haji Wright, completely, like, non-entity. Um, I, are either of you surprised at how much – like, I'm kind of a little surprised that Haji got into both of these games already. Um, I thought he'd be used a little bit more sparingly, but – Desperation. He's <laughs> well, yeah, I thought he was going to be more as like the uh, relief kind of thing. Like, oh, he starts every third game so we don't have to keep running everybody out there all the time. But So certain position groups, I think, are in like fine-tuning and tactics mode to be like, okay, like let's make sure that we're well-drilled in what we do. The, the player who's going to start against Wales at the nine for us, it, it is we're still in search mode. We're not ref- we're not refining anything. You think that Jesus is is it? I think he's it. I think that if J- if if Josh Sargent is like starts hammering goals in the championship, he might come into camp and like and and beat out Ferreira. I I don't think that Ferreira maybe because he plays the way Greg likes so much, but I don't know. It still feels I, to me like there's just a ton of question marks up there. I'm happy to be wrong, but I think Greg has picked him and he's going to give him reps. Through, I mean, barring you know, barring some sort of red hot run of form from whoever Sergeant, you know, or P Fock or Wright or who, DK, I think P. I think P folks yeah. out. Like if, yeah, he's I already had he's already but, had runs of forms and he still can't well, he can't translate it. He would have to get sold to like an Italian club and score fifteen goals or something. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Ferrer is the guy at this point, and Greg's going to ride or die with him. Yeah. So I kind of think you're both right there. I think that. Greg is trying to like force Ferreira into this. It's not necessarily a round peg into a square hole kind of thing, but like, I think Ben's right. I think Greg wants Ferreira to be the guy. So Ferreira is going to keep getting the opportunities, but his, you know, his discourse about Sean Johnson and run of form makes me, you know, believe like we need to see, we need to see how everybody shakes out for their club teams in the fall before we can really start being, confident in some of these selections because it's, yeah it's like, like what if Chardin does start every game what if he starts banging home goals what if Ferreira doesn't start every game like it's like Kevin said though like I think Ferreira plays exactly how Berhalter wants his striker to play and he's in Dallas he's gonna be starting for the foreseeable future so he's in a he's in a, a good situation yeah, that's fair. A lot. he plays the way Greg wants other than kicking the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, well, don't get greedy. Maybe if Pepe like lights it up for Wolfsburg next year, because Berhalter does seem to legitimately like it, like Pepe. 
but wait, Wolfsburg. <laughs> Isn't that who he plays for? Wolfsburg? Augsburg? Augsburg. Sorry. Yeah, no, he, he spurned Wolfsburg at the last second to go to the, to go to the weirder choice. That was such a strange, like, rushed transfer. Like, I, I had known about Pepe from, like, David Goss because he always hyped him up on, like, Extra Time Radio about him being, like, the most the, – one of the best finishers in, like, whatever, like, North Texas or North Dallas, whatever, like, USL team he played for. Yeah. So I knew who the guy was, but like he went from being like a well, yeah, he's in MLS. He's like 18 years old, good prospect to like a 20 million dollar striker and like four goals for the national team. And then I don't know if you're a young attacking player. I I feel like the first, I mean, maybe the money was there, but like the first thing you got to ask yourself is: Is this team relegation threatened? If so, do not go there because you're not going to get chances. You're not going to score goals, and it's going to stunt your. If you're like a center back. Yeah. Have it. Like, I wish that Miles Robinson would have gone to Augsburg. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's who, that's who you want there. Yeah, if you're a striker, like, even if there's there's relegation and then there's relegation. Like, if you're a relegation team losing five to two but creating a bunch of chances, okay, fine. If you're, like, grimly hanging on for zero, zero draws, mm-hmm. that's, that's not it. Yeah. Yeah, but – I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with the nine. There's the next two games. I don't think there's anything to learn from. So it's going to be watching club form and these last two friendlies, I guess, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Well, the new, the, the last two friendlies are what Argentina and some Argentina and Japan. Is that what I saw? Yeah, I saw the Argentina rumor get floated like today. That'd be a, that'd be wild. That'd be, that'd be a heck of a, heck of a, of a tune up game. Right? Wait, wait, that one be, did you see where that was uh, rumored to be here? Here somewhere, uh, aren't they in Europe? I yeah, think I think they're going to play them in Europe. But I thought that it was oh, also rumored though that the two teams were going to be from like the Asian Confederation. Oh, really? It, yeah. So I I don't know. I keep seeing conflicting stuff, but Japan Argentina and Korea, fun. something like that. I don't know. Oh yeah, like, right. uh, European teams have some sort of uh, Nations League commitment or something, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, well, so we're probably going to be doing a – the next match is Friday, Granada, uh, Nations start of the Nations League again. Um, I think it's 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, so a late one for everybody. Uh, there is no guarantee that we are going to have analysis right after that one um, because three of the four of the panel has children, and they have other commitments that they actually have to attend to. So um, – and I can't do this on my own. <laughs> Uh, I would guess we're going to have more of a uh, preview for that on the Wednesday pod. Uh, I would know that had I read the show notes, but I still refuse to absolutely do that. So we're going to find out. We're all going to find out this at the same time. Uh, special thank you to our soccer panel and Reagan era babies, because yes, Kevin is one Kevin and Ben, as always, you can find Kevin on Reddit where our reward still stands for whoever can find the account posting on MLS weather and astrology threads on a routine basis. <laughs> You can also find him on Twitter at Kev underscore Kwiatkowski. Uh, go on and tell him where you think Mars is now, whether it's retrograde or not. I don't actually know any other astrology. Terms. It's, uh, it, it's in space. That's where it is right now. <laughs> you know, technically correct is the best kind of correct. <laughs> you know nobody can find Kwiatkowski by spelling that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's kind of another reward all of it. Itself. You can actually learn how to spell Kwiatkowski. You can figure it out. Hint. His brother played football at an institution you might have heard of. 
Uh, you can find Ben over at halfspaces.com and at Twitter at BL Herald uh, on the Twitter spheres. Uh, ben, you will have grades up, you know, whenever he feels like it because he doesn't work for us and we have no control over when he hands in his TPS reports. So, Ben, do you think you got it by uh, next weekend uh, sometime, maybe? Yeah, hopefully, I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in there. I don't know. We'll maybe see. before Granada if you're all be lucky idea. and you behave. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Mojo Rising 89. Hit me up if you want to talk EPL, college football, or Quidditch, but only those three topics. Uh, make sure you check in with the twig on Twitter at Diamonds ESQ. Tell him if you think he's eating, praying, or loving at that exact moment. Uh, did I already use this joke? I did, and I don't care. Uh, you can find all of us, but mostly Asa, on the Mothership account at TLS underscore N underscore TDS. Uh, you can find us under the same handle on Instagram once all of us get prettier and under the same handle on TikTok once any of us figure out what that is exactly. Uh, special thanks to our sponsors, the Smith Workforce Management Group, as well as whoever Blue Wire decided to put in. I am again imploring Blue Wire to just stop using the pickup artist, guys. We just, we don't like it. Uh, please like, subscribe, share, give us five stars. Tell us about your favorite dim sum restaurants in your hometown. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, etc. cetera. Uh, and as always, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you, our beloved listeners. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.